Hey, if you missed all that, it's just great to be in church. <laughs> oh, it's just fantastic. And we're just welcoming our Sheffield campus who are joining us as well today. If you're new, either online or in the room, we just want to give you a huge welcome. My name is Paul, if you don't know me, and together with Jeannie, we're lead pastors of Icon Church. I want to talk today about your dream is not dead. Your dream is not dead. And I basically want to go to the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. And I'll only be able to read a portion of that, but I want to encourage you to really tap into the whole story because it's a fabulous story. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 37 just to begin with and just going to read from verses uh, 2 to 11 from Genesis chapter 37. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhar, the sons of Zilpah, the, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him, more than any of them, they hated him, and they could not speak a kind word to him. Anybody have a brother or sister like that? Don't say out loud. Don't nudge them if they're sat next to you. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Then he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to him. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. You can see a pattern here, can't you? Because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had still another dream and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. You can see a pattern in those verses, can't you? Joseph is a dreamer. He has a dreams and God speaks to him through dreams. In fact, God's people have always been dreamers. God's people have always been dreamers and God has always spoken the language of visions and dreams to his people. Actually, that's true of all humans because that's what makes us human. That actually was what makes us human and different from every other species, that we can have an imagination that sees a different future and we can dream for a, a change tomorrow and actually we can work towards that. We can have a vision for a desired future. And maybe today, and you need to have a vision for a desired future in some area of your life. Maybe you've got a vision. Maybe to start a business or to have a career in a certain area. Maybe that vision's concerning your family or your children or your children's children. What about church, having a vision for church? You know, it's so important that we share together the vision that God has given the church. Don't you believe that? You know, we have a dream of building relevant contemporary churches. I hope you noticed the word churches more than one. And that's why right now we've got five physical campuses 
and, uh, and obviously online as well. And uh, it's so good, you know, because a church should not just be known by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. And it's such a privilege that today we've been able to send, not just, not just send, but they're there all the time, Ben and Hannah, Nathan, Nathaniel, sorry, and uh, Amy to Stocksbridge to be part of leading that campus there. And Nathan's there preaching today. And then, um, what's their names? April, Nathan and April. And George and Rosie to Rotherham. Andy and Kirsty Ball and their family to Derby. Mark and Nicola and a whole team of people, Matt and Sophie and many others as well, to Sheffield. It's so good that we have got a vision to send and not just to seat. Let me say that again, that we've got a vision. And I want us all to share that vision. And of course, we want to see God do incredible things in every place. We've got a vision, a dream of building contemporary churches, and we've not finished yet. But we also want to reach people with the message of Jesus. It's why we're online, and we've invested strongly on, online, reaching people with the message of Jesus, but also across all of our campuses. It's why in every service we ask people, invite them to know Jesus. And we want to empower people to live uh, a life of influence and impact as well. And you know, that's, that's why our messages don't just want to speak to somebody's Sunday, to somebody's Christian life. We want them to speak to every part of a person's life. We, we as humans, I believe, were made to have personal vision, but we're also made to have collective vision too. Maybe your dreams around the community where you live, where you want to meet some specific needs, you've got a vision and a passion to touch people in a specific way, or you just want your community to be a better place and think, how can I contribute to that? Maybe you've got a vision for justice, in our world, a vision for peace in our world. Well, I want to tell you today, your dream is not dead. Your dream is not dead. You know, we are um, coming out of COVID. You know, we used to, BC used to mean before Christ, and then they changed it to BCE because they wanted to get rid of Jesus. So they changed it to before the common era. Still, it's still dated back to Jesus, of course, and his birthday. Well, I think BC now is before COVID. That's, that's what BC is, because that was one world, and now we're living in a different world. Do you agree? Well, we're coming out of COVID, and many people, I think, may be doubting their dreams in this moment. They may feel like they've missed an opportunity or in life, that their circumstances have changed. I know for us as Icon Church, we've experienced that. Circumstances have changed. Some of us might feel that we're just getting older. And how long, how long is there before we see some dreams fulfilled? Some of us may have had to put our plans on hold because of the pandemic and the changes and different things. Perhaps the issue for us is an issue of time. We think maybe there's not enough time or maybe there's too much time and we've got too long to wait before something can happen. Maybe for some of us, the tension is our circumstances, that they don't look favorable today, that, that circumstances look different. Or maybe there's something we think, if to pursue that dream, I would have to sacrifice and I'm not sure I want to sacrifice. Sometimes the tension in life 
that stops us pursuing a dream is people. Sometimes people turn against us and we can lack, because of that, that can hurt us and that we can lack the drive to pursue the dream that God puts in our heart. And then sometimes we think the issue is me. No, not me, Paul. I know you, uh, as Steve Morstan would say, tinkers in Sheffield thought I meant me. No, we think the issue is ourselves. And that actually our capacity or our character or our readiness isn't quite there. Well, I want to say today, your dream might be buried, but it's not dead. Your dream might be buried, but it's not dead. It might be buried under confusion, disappointment, discouragement. It might be buried today over some failure or some mistake in the past. You might be (coughs) surrounded by those circumstances you feel prevent you. And that could be, excuse me, that could be burying your dream. Perhaps you feel like you lack motivation, that you feel tired. I hear so many people saying in this moment, I'm tired. Have you heard that? Maybe there's a failure of nerve, just that lack of courage, that lack of courage to step forward. Or sometimes there's a failure of heart, failure of nerve and a failure of heart, where you can lack the passion you once had for something. I know we've all experienced that. And then sometimes you think it's so hard to get it back. It's a sickness of the heart. The book of Proverbs says this, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's a sickness that we can have in our heart, a lack of passion. Also, for many of us, we might find that we face sickness at times in our body. And we we then worried, am I physically able to do what I need to do? Will my body let me do it? All those things can bury our dream. They're all real. They're all things that we face. But I came to tell us today that our dreams might be buried, but they're not dead. The dream is not dead. You see, the deep in everybody's heart, every human heart, there's a dream. There's a God-given dream, I believe. Dreams that are roadmaps. The dream is like the sat-nav to our future. Dreams that play a key role in us pursuing a destiny. Uh, not just the destiny to, you know, just for our personal gain, but a destiny for God's will in our lives. And without dreams, the scriptures tell us that we wander, obviously, aimlessly through life. I love Proverbs 29:18. It says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And another version says they wander aimlessly. But blessed is the one that follows wisdom's instruction. Whatever your dream is, I believe at least part of it has been God-given in your life. Whatever sphere that dream is, you might sit here or you might be watching online and think, well, my my dream is in this area. I believe at least part of it has been God-given and that dream is not dead. You have a God-given dream. And we need to see ourselves, I believe, playing our part in the future destiny of God's story. Uh, what, what an incredible dream that is that you and I, the Icon Church, that together, collectively, and practically individually, we can play our part in God's story of touching people's lives. Joseph's story is prominent in the scriptures, not just to show us the power of dreams, and that God has a purpose and a vision for our lives, but also to instruct us that those dreams don't die when things change. 
We started with Joseph's teenage dream. He was 17. It was a dream of his brothers bowing down to him. It was a dream of leading his family, even the sun and moon, his father and mother bowing down to him. But his brothers didn't take kindly to the dream or the dreamer. And what happens? Well, one day they see him coming in the distance. And Genesis 37, 19 and 20 says this. They said this. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They ambush the dreamer. They ambush Joseph and his dream. They take off his father's robe and they throw him into an underground cistern. And they're planning to murder him. You know, but his brother Judah actually comes up with a, a different plan. For Joseph, it was a better plan. Let's not kill him, but let's make some money out of him. Let's sell him off to the slave traders. Let's sell him off to a, a king, a ruler, somebody who travels this way, and let's sell him as a slave. And so Joseph's dream isn't going too well, and they sell him to Potiphar, an Egyptian, who takes him as a slave. But the thing is, when you've got a dream from God, God's hand is on your life. And even though he's become a slave in the house of Potiphar, he starts to prosper, because there's a destiny upon him. In fact, he prospers so much that Potiphar, who probably had many slaves and in those days had maybe had lots of land, made him the ruler over his whole household. His dream hasn't been going too well, but he's still prospering. But tragedy strikes again. The master's wife accuses him. She, she takes a, a liking to Joseph and she... Because he refuses her, she, take, she accuses him of rape, and he's thrown into prison on trumped-up charges. But again, he begins to prosper in the prison. Because when you've got a dream from God, no matter what people do to you, God's hand will be on your life. No matter where you find yourself, or oh, he's in prison, he's been a slave, but God has had his hand on his life, no matter and, and he prospers in the prison, so much so that the prison governors make him the administrator, the ruler in the prison. He's looking over all the other inmates as well as himself. And then one day, there's two new inmates turn up in the prison. They arrive from the king's court. We don't know what they've done. Well, at least I don't in this moment. One's the royal cupbearer, who's the guy responsible for testing the wine to make sure it's not poisoned and also the king's baker and these two guys are in prison with Joseph and they have dreams too but there's no one to interpret their dreams and so Joseph who is becoming a little bit more gracious with age says to those two people he says to the cupbearer and to the baker dreams belong to God tell me your dreams and I'll interpret them for you and he does. He interprets the dreams accurately, exactly. And the cupbearer gets free from prison within days, as Joseph said he would. And the baker is sadly put to death, just as Joseph said he did. 
And then the Bible tells us that the cupbearer forgot about Joseph. Forgets about him. He's still in the prison. He's doing better, but his dream is long past and long forgotten. In fact, the very next verse after that bit of the story, Genesis 41 verse 1 says this, when two full years had passed, this is after the cupbearer getting out of prison, Pharaoh had a dream. Okay, now everybody's dreaming. Even Pharaoh's having a dream. Even people in Sheffield are having a dream today. You know, like I said, I'd love you to read the Genesis story for the uh, the, for the whole story. But guess what? Pharaoh has a dream, but he can't interpret his dream. And his officials and his advisors are stumped. But suddenly the cupbearer remembers Joseph from two years ago. And he says to the king, there's this guy. I know a guy. I know someone who can help you. And finally things begin to change. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, he says, your dream is telling you that there's going to be seven years of prosperity under your reign. But then following that seven years of prosperity, you're going to have seven years of famine. So store up food, store up grain, store up everything you can in the first seven years, in the time of plenty. And then you won't lack when it comes to a time of famine. And overnight... Joseph is promoted from a slave, a prisoner, to a ruler. He becomes, as Disney called him, the prince of Egypt. More likely, we would understand it as the prime minister of the whole nation. It wasn't really overnight. This whole bit of the story that I've just told you took 12 years. Joseph is now 29, not 17 any longer. It's going to be another 10 years before he sees his brothers, before they come to him. But Joseph is going to oversee Egypt for the seven years of prosperity and then for the years of famine following. I just want to share this morning three truths about God dreams. Three truths about the vision that God has for you and for your family and forever, for wherever you're dreaming and whatever you're dreaming for Three things about the vision he has. Here's the first. Your dream is not dead when circumstances change. Your dream isn't dead when circumstances change. You see, Joseph sees in his dream his brothers down, bowing down to him. He sees, he sees them coming for whatever reason and bowing before him. And so too his father and, and mother. And he's excited but things change pretty quickly. Circumstances change pretty rapidly from being the favored son of his father to seeing their jealousy. He doesn't reckon on their hatred. He doesn't see slavery in Egypt coming. He doesn't see Potiphar's wife falsely accusing him. Things are changing pretty quickly. His vision never included time as a slave or time in prison. He doesn't anticipate years, not months or weeks, years of waiting. He's seen a little, but he's blind to a whole lot. Actually blind to most things. Isn't that the way dreams work for us? 
that we see something, we see a picture, we, see a, a, we have a desire and a passion, but we're blind to most of what will happen on the way. You see, the point of our dream and the point of your dream is not to let you know everything that will happen in the future. It's to tell you how to live in the present. That's the point of the dream. And so my question to myself today, my question to all of us today, are we living in the light of our dreams? Are we living in the light of those future plans and those future dreams? Maybe you found yourself in that, in that place where the dream has been buried. I want to encourage you today to take a step so that this Monday, actually you begin to do something in the light of the dream that God has put in your heart. Your dream isn't dead just because your circumstances have changed. I know I'm speaking to somebody today. Somebody who feels they're in that place where stuff's just got buried, where circumstances have just changed and come over them. I want to tell you today that God dream, it still exists. It's still alive. Live in the light of that dream. Your dream is not dead because circumstances changed. Because God hasn't changed. And God hasn't changed his mind. Let me say that again. God hasn't changed. And God hasn't changed his mind. He's working it out. You can't see it because you're buried in a cistern. You can't see it because you're a slave. You can't see it because you're being falsely accused. You can't see it because somebody's forgotten you. But God is still working. Your dream is not dead because circumstances changed. The dream you had BC, not before Christ, but before COVID, it's still alive. Amen. The second thing is this. Your dream is not dead when trouble comes. Maybe you've hit roadblocks in your dreams. Perhaps the startup you were dreaming of isn't happening. Maybe you've hit some shame because of some failure or something. There's just some trouble in your life. Maybe prayers have sent to go unanswered. You know, um, when I was a teenager growing up in church, I became a Christian at, at 13. And, and then through my teen years, I was in church. And people used to talk about praying, but the heavens being like brass. Can anybody remember that phrase? You know, we're praying, but the heavens seem like brass. In other words, our prayers are just bouncing back. Nobody's listening. It was a metaphor that people were saying, I'm not sure God's listening. I'm not even sure he's there. Nothing is changing. Maybe that's how life feels for some of us today, that there's no breakthrough, that there's more breakdown than breakthrough. But your dream is not dead. So often when we have a dream, we think it's all progress from here. It's all up and to the right. I've done that the right way for those that are watching online. That everything's up and to the right. It's all progress. We think God spoke to me. I heard God. It's all going to work out brilliantly from now. But that's not Joseph's story. And it's not mine. And it's not anyone I know that pursued a God's, God's dream. Usually it's more like an epic movie that's got plot twists, opposition, problems, tensions, enemies, betrayals, two steps forward, one step back, 
danger, risk, three steps forward, four steps back. But you just have to keep keeping on because the dream isn't dead. Even when doors keep closing, the dream's not dead because trouble comes. People even say things like this. If God's in it, if it's God's will, it'll be easy. Now, let me tell you, that's the dumbest thing. (laughs) Dumbest, stupidest. Is there a stronger word that I can use? That's the craziest, crazy can be good. That's the dumbest thing that you can ever hear. Because Jesus never said that. We should write a book, shouldn't we? Things Jesus never said. Now you know me, all will go well for you. Actually, Jesus said this. John 16 and verse 33. I've told you these things so that in me, notice where it's located, in me, you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Peace in Jesus. Trouble in the world. I know you came to be encouraged today, didn't you? But Jesus said, Take heart, I have overcome the world. That even when you're having trouble in the world, we have peace in Jesus. Maybe like me, in those times where you've been focused on the trouble you're facing in the world or the the fact that your dream isn't working out the way you thought or PC, post-COVID, is not yet the celebration you wanted it to be. Anybody with me? Yeah. Oh, you're looking back to BC and thinking, they were the good old days. <laughs> For sure, baby. They were the good old days. Maybe like me sometimes, when you've been in that moment, you've actually said to God, like me, God, I think you've forsaken me. God, I think you've forgotten me. God, I think you've abandoned me. God, I think you've turned against me. Now, that's the dumbest thing you can pray. (laughs) But we've all felt it. And Jesus says we will fail it. And therefore, he says, in me. I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. The Apostle Paul, another writer in the New Testament, puts it like this. You will have peace that passes understanding. You see, you should be be worried. You should be stressed out. You should be fearful because of the trouble you're in. But in me, you'll have peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace, Jesus says, because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. I want to tell you today that whenever you face a setback, you need to know that God is planning a comeback. Whenever you face a setback, God is planning a comeback. And he doesn't change that plan, even though you say, God, you've abandoned me. God, you've left me. God, I think you're against me. He's still planning a comeback. Maybe you're facing that trouble right now. Maybe the results are not what you want. The report is bad. Well, Joseph faced all that. And it would be wrong for us to say, I've heard people preach about the story of Joseph and say, just remember your dream. But Joseph didn't. Joseph didn't remember his dream. 
it would be, be wrong for me to say, just keep thinking about the dream. Because Joseph didn't. I mean, look what it says. This is after 22 years when his brothers finally come to him because they're having, they're in three years of the seven-year famine. They're in year three, and they finally come to Joseph for help. They don't know it's Joseph. They come to him, but Genesis 42 and verse 9 says, then he remembered his dream. He wasn't thinking about his dream for 22 years. He wasn't in the bottom of that cistern saying, I know what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn for good. He wasn't singing that song in the cistern. When he was being chased, when he was running away from Potiphar's wife, he wasn't singing a song. I'm trying to think of another song. I can't think of the song. But anyway, he wasn't. He'd forgotten his dream because of the trouble. But then... He remembered his dream. You may not even be able to recall the God dream today. You may have zero faith that God will make it happen. But I want to tell you, your dream is not dead. God is planning a comeback from the setback. Somebody needs to hear this today. You are coming back from a setback. Your setback has just positioned you for a comeback. Come on, somebody. Your setback has positioned you for a comeback, so be at peace today. And then the final thing, the third thing, is your dream is not dead when delays happen. We talked about BC before COVID, and it seems that that's delayed a lot of stuff. It's delayed people coming to church, hasn't it? I know people are making their decisions. Some people are saying, uh, like, I'm coming back when I'm fully vaccinated, you know, Get those jabs, as many as you need, and come back to church. I mean, or, or when I don't have to wear masks or whatever, whatever decision. People are making those kind of decisions. It's delayed. Whenever you face a setback, God is planning a comeback. Abraham was 25 years from the promise of a son to the birth of Isaac, and he didn't think it would happen. He didn't think in the middle it would happen. David was anointed king, but it was 15 years before he became king. And there were times, many times, he didn't think it would happen. Joseph is 22 years from dreaming the dream to his brothers coming to see him. He'd forgotten the dream. Delays are not denials. God uses delays to get us ready. If God gave us everything straight away, it would be like giving a two-year-old a machete or a toddler a machine gun. Imagine that for a moment. No, God takes us through preparation, through pruning, through strengthening. God develops wisdom in us. You see, all of that preparation in the life of Joseph meant that after 12 years, not only could he interpret Pharaoh's dream. But he had the wisdom to tell him how to live in the moment. So store up in the years of famine that will make you ready for the years of plenty. And Joseph's wisdom, what he'd learned in those years, makes Egypt the envy of the world and a blessing to the world. The team can come back because I'm closing right now. Whatever you're facing... God has a plan. 
and the dream is not dead. Your delay is not a denial. And my question to myself and to all of us today, my question to our campus in Sheffield today, is are you letting God teach you in this moment? Are you responding to what God wants to teach us? Are you staying in school? Because you and I are in training for reigning. Some people say, sometimes you ask people, have you heard it? How are you doing? And they say, well, I'm okay under the circumstances. Under the circumstances. Well, I came to tell somebody today, you're not staying under the circumstances. You're not going to be under the circumstances forever. God is going to cause you to reign over those circumstances. You're in training for reigning. Come on, tell the person next to you, you're in training for reigning. How can we apply this message? Well, two things as I close. First of all, stay faithful to your tribe, to your people, to the people of God. You see, Joseph's dream ultimately was not about Joseph. It wasn't about his fame and him becoming the prince of Egypt. It was about the blessing of the world. His dream was about primarily the blessing and the salvation of his family and his nation. It was about the people of God. Jeannie and I went on holiday to uh, Northumberland and we visited a ha- an abbey, e- Hexham Abbey. I think we'll have a picture of it. Here it is. I took this picture. F- fantastic abbey. Do you know Christians have been meeting on that site for 1,400 years? I, I remember being in Bristol Cathedral one, one uh, I'd gone to a conference uh, this is, I've not planned this story, but I'll tell you. I've gone to a conference, and uh, if, if you're American, please forgive me. And uh, some American pastors were at the conference, and they decided to go around the cathedral in Bristol. So they walked around the cathedral Tuesday evening, and there's a prayer meeting. And there's six people in the prayer meeting. And they start saying to each other, well, six people, why bother? We wouldn't bother for six people. Well, one of my pastor friends, it wasn't me, lost his salvation in that moment. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want you to know there's been a prayer meeting on this site for 800 years on a Tuesday evening. How old is America? Well, that finished the conversation. But my point is this. Somebody stayed faithful. Somebody stayed faithful generation after generation after generation after generation. Somebody stayed faithful to their tribe. And there's still a place where you and I can go today. And if we want to, we can sit and we can pray. And we can know that we're in the presence of God. And the presence of saints who have done this for thousands of years together. Our culture, our culture celebrates 15 minutes of fame. But our God celebrates faithfulness. See, you and I get to choose today. We get to choose our ripple. I know that shocked Jeannie. Stephen ran. But we get to choose. No, I won't do it. 
We get to choose our, our ripple. We get to choose our splash. I think that choice is not in the fame, the celebrity, the rah, rah, rah. It's in faithfulness. I don't know the names of anybody who's been praying on that site for 1,400 years. They're not still praying, by the way. It's not the same person who was praying. But I'm celebrating them today. Their ripple is carrying through the generations. I don't want to be like a, uh, a firework that just goes and dissipates. Choose our ripple today. We'll need a cloth because Amanda is no doubt going to slip and fall. and We're going to have a you know, health and safety issue. In and the final thing is, as I close, stay faithful to your gift. All the way through, Joseph kept interpreting dreams. And he kept learning. All the way through, he kept interpreting dreams. And 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, and then I'm going to pray, says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So I'm encouraging you today. Maybe you're not back in church yet. You're online still. and Maybe you're in church today. I'm encouraging you. Use your gift to serve others. Church News in Chesterfield, we heard about how there's an opportunity to serve on our kids team. I want to encourage you. If you can do that to get involved. Next week, the good news is, next week, tots are back. Not to fours is back for families and we want to serve families there's hundreds of families in this community in Sheffield that need to be in church and to have something that serves their kids is so important each of you should use whatever gift come on let's stand and I hope you're encouraged today your dream is not dead I want to pray for us as we stand and then we're going to worship and then I'll come back just to close. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the life of Joseph. I thank you, Father God, that dreams can get buried. We can find ourselves in the midst of trouble, but you've not changed and the dream hasn't changed. And I thank you that the dreams that you have for our lives, for our families, sometimes look impossible Sometimes they look like they're buried in a cistern or they're locked in a jail or they're fleeing from an oppressor. But Father, I thank you today that our eyes are on you and that as we stay faithful, stay faithful to you, stay faithful to your purposes and faithful to your people, the dream isn't dead and our setback is just a setup for what you're about to do in the future. Come on, church, if you believe it, let's praise our God together this morning. Thank you.